Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Let's say this together nice and loud. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life Amen, amen. Great job, church. Great job. Well, the title of today's message, I'm going to start off right, right out of the gates with that. The morality of self-fulfillment versus the morality of God. Come on, say it with me, church. The morality of self-fulfillment versus the morality of God. Morality is defined simply as this. The quality of being in accord with standards of right or good conduct. Right or good conduct. Barna Research has this statistic. Listen, 80% of American adults believe there is reason for concern about the morality of our nation. Come on, any adults agree with that? But there's not much agreement on morality itself. Like, what is morality based on? Where does it come from? How can someone know what to do when faced with making a moral decision? Here's another stat. According to a majority of American adults, 57% say Knowing what is right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. Three quarters of millennials, 22 to about 40 years old, agree strongly or somewhat with this statement. Whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know. So let me tell you, folks, this tells us that morality is intricately connected to what a person defines as truth. But when it comes to truth, we have a problem. The problem is called relativism. Relativism is a position that says all points of view are equally valid and that all truth is relative to the individual. In short, Truth is what each person believes to be truth, and there is no absolute truth. How many of you know that's going on big time in our culture? Big time. Now, you know I love you, but as your pastor, I want to get into some truth this morning, okay? Let me just give you an example. Uh, When it comes to the definition of a woman, okay? A woman is an adult female Human being. Anybody agree with that? You could say, yeah, that's a simple, simple one, okay? The problem is, uh, in some circles, I might even be bold enough to say in many circles, and it's growing rapidly, relativism has 
infiltrated our society and culture so much that it's affecting, for example, how a man or a woman is defined. I would say relativism is like gasoline for toxic, harmful, and I'll even say this, demonic teachings and ideologies that are impacting our culture at large in staggering numbers. And it's creeping into our homes, it's creeping into our schools, it's even challenging God's standard of morality. For example, uh, I watched a documentary. I'm going to be very broad and brief. Uh, I watched a documentary by Matt Walsh. Uh, Adults, you can check it out. It's called What is a Woman? And he interviews this one young man. And uh, this this one young man, uh, in addition to identifying with other things, he identifies as a wolf. He said, I was watching a documentary on wolves one day. And while I was watching it, I just knew in my heart, in my mind, that the wolf and I were one. And so I identify as a wolf now, and uh, I communicate with wolves, and they communicate with me. And so I want you to identify me as a wolf. And so that was mind-blowing. Here's another thing that's happening. You may have heard of this, but there are teachers in some schools in our nation who have children that are coming in, and they identify as cats. Some of them as dogs. This is real, folks. And so when they're called on in their classrooms, they're purring and they're barking in response to their teachers. And the teachers can't reprimand them because if the teachers reprimand them, the school districts and the principals are reprimanding the teachers and the teachers are in danger of losing their jobs. That's happening right now. Because what they believe is true It's true to them, and nobody can question it. Let me show you a picture on the screen. This is one of my favorite vegetables. I want to ask the kids, what is that, kids? Come on, nice and loud. Broccoli, right, good job, Colton. Do you like it? No, he said, no, he's smart, okay. So we all know this is broccoli. Kids, I'm talking to you right now, okay? Let's say you're going to have a Sunday dinner, and mom and dad give you some broccoli next to whatever you like, your chicken nuggets, and they say, hey, listen, it's okay, Colton. This is a chocolate sundae. It's not broccoli. It might look like broccoli. It might even smell like broccoli if you smell it. Broccoli smells. But it's a chocolate sundae. Kids, let me ask you a question. Are you going to believe that it's a chocolate sundae? No, because that's not reality, and it's not rooted in truth. The truth is, this is broccoli, and you either like it or you don't. It is not a chocolate sundae. Can I get an amen? Pastor Robert, what does that have to do with anything? It has a lot to do with things, because kids, if you're in school, or you're on the playground, or or you're at swim lessons, or you're doing whatever you're doing, and some other kids tell you, you know what? It's okay to lie to your mommy and your daddy. You don't have to tell mommy and daddy truth anymore. It's okay to lie. Are you going to believe that? No. Okay? It's because that's true. The Bible tells us that it's wrong to lie. But there's a huge part of our culture that has just decided 
their truth is good enough for them and their morality is about self-fulfillment. If it makes me feel good, if it benefits me, if it's beneficial to my family, I'm going to go that way. That's a problem that we have in our culture. And no matter how many times I tell you that that's a chocolate sundae, the truth is, the reality is, it's not. It's broccoli. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 with me. First scripture, we're going to go somewhere and we're going to not take too long. 1 Timothy 4, 1. Listen to what it says. Now, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, and he's writing from a prison cell, and he knows he doesn't have that much longer, and so he's writing some very important things about his pastoral ministry, and he wants Timothy to do a good job in light of what's happening in his culture. By the way, that's happening in our culture. He says this, now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. That's in the Bible, folks. I'm not making it up. When he says the last times, he's talking about the time between Jesus' first coming, that's already happened, and Jesus' ultimate return. In that time frame, starting back then, including today, there are going to be some Christians who will turn away from the true faith. Notice true. True faith. How is that possible? They're going to follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. The word deceptive, you know what it means. Uh, the Greek word is planos, P-L-A-N-O-S, and it means wandering, roving, misleading, leading into error. It's describing a person who's being used as a corrupter or a deceiver. And the problem with deception is you won't even know it because you're deceived. You think it's true, but it's not. And then he says, they're going to give these teachings. In the New King James, it uses the word doctrines. Doctrines and teachings are synonymous words. But think about the word doctrines, teachings. Doctrines are used to indoctrinate people to philosophies, ideologies, and worldviews. That's where the word doctrine is used. Now, contextually, in this text that we're reading, Paul's encouraging Timothy to stay with the truth of God's word because the Holy Spirit showed him that there's going to be these teachings that are going to infiltrate the church and they're going to be in error, but people will be deceived and they'll follow those teachings and they won't be following Jesus anymore. And so it's important, he's saying, Timothy, you got to stay with the truth of God's word. Why? Because our walk with God is at stake if we get off of God's word. Our families are at stake. Our kids and their futures are at stake. Our morality is at stake. We must know the truth. The truth is connected to morality, to right and wrong in God's eyes. Now, I hate to admit it, but there's a lot of people in our culture, some of them in the church, we're all learning and growing that are preferring a morality of self-fulfillment versus the morality of God in his word. What does Jesus say about truth? Because at the end of the day, it's not your opinion or my opinion that matters. It's what Jesus says about what God's word says. Amen? Look at John chapter 17, verse 17. John chapter 17, verse 14 through 17. 14 through 17. John 17, 17 is a great way to remember this verse. Jesus is praying to the Father for his disciples. 
This is the Lord's prayer, really. He's praying to the Father for his disciples. He says, Father, I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Listen, sanctify them by your truth. Say this last part with me. Your word is truth. Now, when you study this out, it's an amazing text because he mentions the word world there numerous times. And he's not talking about the globe, the earth. He's talking about this ungodly, God-opposed spiritual world system that's opposing God, that's opposing God's truth, that's opposing morality, that's opposing you and I as Christians. And he's saying, I'm not of the world. They're not of the world. How many know Jesus is of the kingdom of heaven on earth? And he's saying, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. They're not going to just go and hide in the house forever. No, Jesus sends them into the world to be a light in the world. Amen? But notice he says, he says, sanctify them. That word sanctify means to set them apart so that they look different, they sound different, they act different than the world. How are you going to do that, Father? This is how. By your truth. And notice, your word is truth. The word truth, the Greek word aletheia, it's the reality lying at the basis of an appearance, the manifested true essence of a matter. It's upright, having nothing to hide. It's the truth as taught in the Christian faith in respects to God and the execution of his purposes through Christ. The truth. It's reliable. It's unchangeable. God is truth. God doesn't lie. God doesn't change. God doesn't hide. God is true through and through. Here's our big takeaway for today. If you're a note taker, you could write it down. If you're not, tuck it away in your heart. Here's the big takeaway. One takeaway today. God's word is truth. And it shapes godly morals and keeps his people from the corruption and evil in the world. God's word God's word is truth. Pastor Robert, how do I know if this is right or that is right? How do I know if this is wrong and this is right? I'm always going to lead you to the book every single time. And any Christian who's growing in godliness should do the same. Amen. See, it's not, it's not up to me whether I think uh, you should get a divorce. God hates divorce. Does the Bible say that? His heart is for you to forgive one another by his power, by his love, and to work it out with Jesus in the middle. His heart is for your relationship to be restored. Oh, Pastor Robert, you don't know. He's done so much. He's done so much. There's nothing impossible for God. How, Pastor Robert, what, what should I do? She says she loves me. I love her. Can't we just move in together? Well, that's a good question. But it really doesn't matter what my opinion is. Let's look at the scripture. Let's look at the truth. Okay? I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm not looking around. I'm just telling you what the word of God says. The word of God says that we shouldn't even give the very appearance of evil. And if we cohabitate outside of being married, 
people who know we're Christians and they see us, they might think we're, you know, sharing the same room. That's as far as I'll go. Do you understand what I'm saying? But our culture has decided, by the way, that's a growing number in the church. Now, more than ever, more than ever, the statistics are through the roof. Christians are cohabitating, foregoing marriage totally. And there's a lot of good benefits and reasons to do it. I can list them. One of them is money. But at the end of the day, when we compare it to the scriptures and the blessing of having God's presence right in the middle of our marriage, I would rather struggle in marriage than to try to do it alone without God living together. Amen. I'm not speaking condemnation on anybody. I love people. I love people. If they're even living together or what, I love them. And my heart is as a pastor, let's go to the word because there's so much blessing. When follow God's truth. Can somebody say amen? Truth is what matters. I love Psalm 25.5. Listen to what it says. The psalmist, he says this. Lead me in your, say it with me, truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Did you know that one of the things, one of the, the characteristics of God that he will use to lead you in the path that he has for you, it's truth. His truth. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. He'll instruct you. I mean, this does away with so much pressure and so much confusion and so much doubt. If I just make a decision to follow God, he'll lead you in a smooth path. What if there's enemies? He'll knock them out your way. He'll, he'll cause you to walk in what he has for you. This is important because our culture, our society, our government is not always on the side of God's truth. And I won't tell you what to do in your life as a pastor, but I'll show you what the scripture says and I'll, I'll make a gracious suggestion and then you can verify that with the word and verify it with other godly counsels. But God's truth will lead you and guide you so that you end up where he wants you to be. The word truth in the Hebrew Old Testament, it's the Hebrew word emet, E-M-E-T, and it means certainty, stability, rightness, or trustworthiness. Come on, anybody want to walk in truth? I love it. We looked it up this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the greatest expression of the Father's truth. If you want to know what truth is, if you want to know what morality is from perspective, read the Gospels and look at the life of Jesus. Read the Sermon on the Mount. So much wisdom, so much truth. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. Kids, listen to me. Kids, listen to me. I love this verse. You can look it up later. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 2 Timothy 4, 12. Paul tells Timothy, he's a young pastor, he's a young leader. He tells him, let nobody look down on your youth. Kids, don't let anybody look down on your youth. Don't let anybody dismiss you. And then he goes on, he says, but on the contrary, be an example to other believers 
in the way you talk and in the way you love and the way you act. Kids, you're not too young to follow Jesus. You're not too young to lean into truth. You're not too young to know the difference between good and evil. And God wants you to walk in truth. And when you walk in truth, you'll walk in good every single time. Now, it's important. We have to know what truth isn't. What truth isn't. Truth isn't simply whatever works. Lies can appear to work, but they're still lies and not the truth. Truth isn't what makes people feel good. Truth isn't what the majority says is true. 51% of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. Truth isn't simply what is believed. A lie could be believed, but if you believe it, it's still a lie. So Pastor Robert, God's word is truth. And it shapes godly morals, and it keeps his people from the corruption and evil in the world. What can I do to establish the truth and the morality of God more deeply in my home and in my life? Parents, this is for you. Listen. Number one, commit to reading the scriptures. Say commit. You know what commit means. Commit. Now, I'm not looking for perfectness, perfection, seven days a week, right? But if there's seven days a week, maybe your goal is four, four days. That's a good goal. It's a little bit of a stretch if you're not doing it at all, but it's a good goal, right? So you have to commit, commit to reading. Why? Because Jesus said your word is truth. Number two, commit to looking to the scriptures. What do you mean, Pastor Robert? Well, when you're faced with a decision, especially moral decision, look to the scriptures. Honey, you know what I think would be the wisest thing for us to do? Let's find out what the word of God says. If you don't know where to look, buy a God's promises book for your every need. It has a glossary, and it has anything and everything you could ever be facing and it'll just give you the page number and it's full of scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And you could go over that with your kids. You could teach them how to do this. So number two is to look into the scriptures. Look into the, for example, practical. Like when we were in a bunch of financial trouble years ago, $50,000 in debt, car repossessed, had to sell our home. I mean, it was credit card debt, IRS debt. We were sinking we were crying over the bills. We didn't know what to do. Everybody counseled us to file bankruptcy. And I just knew in my spirit that the Lord had been ministering to me to his faithfulness and his word and to be a good steward with finances. All of that money, we didn't handle it right. I made bad decisions. So bankruptcy for me was not the truthful way to go. I owed that money. And the Lord convinced me, if you work hard, if you'll do your part and you honor me and put me first, I'll help you get out of debt. And he did. Amen. So when, when you're faced with a decision, look to the scriptures. Number three, commit to living out the scriptures. How many of you know it's one thing to commit to reading them and then commit to looking to them? And now you got to live them out. Amen. Right? How many of you heard that scripture before? Don't be just hearers of the word only, but be 
doers of the word, right? See, we only experience a blessing when we actually do what it says. Amen? So, real simple. If you want to have truth lead you and guide you in God's morality, you have to make a decision to commit to reading the scriptures, commit to looking to the scriptures, and commit to living out the scriptures. Simple message, but very relevant. Amen? Have you been blessed by the word today? Come on, stand to your feet. Let's pray. David and Catherine, would you come to the platform while we're praying? praying? We're not done with our service yet. We're almost done. Father, we thank you for giving us opportunity to gather today in freedom in the name of Jesus to worship you, to open your word, and to be reminded about the morality of self-fulfillment versus the morality of God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us, you would teach us, you would help us to grow, to be doers of the word, to be people of truth to walk in your truth, to follow your truth, to be a light and the testimony of your truth. And Lord, I pray that these children that are with us today, children in all of our campuses would be children of the truth. They would walk in truth and they would learn by the Holy Spirit and by the guidance of their parents and the scriptures how to become young boys and girls of truth who stand for God and resist the temptation of relativism in the world and the culture in which we live. We pray that you protect them in their schools and in everything that they're doing out in our culture and our society. Protect them from the evil and the corruption that's prevalent in our times today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Well, folks, I just wanted you to stand with me for a couple minutes. David and Catherine, come on over here. Babe, grab that mic. Uh, David and Catherine. So this is a bittersweet moment for me because today's Catherine's last day with us. They've been on this campus for over 10 years, probably 12, 13 years, something like that. Part of this church before we got here, before Lakeshore got here. And uh, they made a decision to move to Maine. Uh, all of their family is over there, their extended family, their kids, and so on and so forth. Catherine and David are driving up this week, I think Wednesday or Thursday, something like that. And then David's flying back to wrap up business here. They got to sell their home and so on and so forth. And we're excited for them. Because this is the leading of the Lord, and they feel like they're doing the best they can to follow him, and they got peace with that, and so we're excited for them. And one of the things that we wanted to do, uh, we've been mentioning this over the last few weeks, and we gave them a gift last Sunday and a card and some flowers, but we feel like one of the most important things we can do for them is to pray for them and just declare God's blessing and provision and guidance. You know what it's like to make a big transition, and all of the money and all of the decisions and all of the different uncomfortabilities that come with that. We want to just declare God's blessing over them. Uh, but before I pray for them, I just wanted to share this. I was thinking, what's, what's one word that the Lord gave me to dis define them, to kind of describe them and what I've seen in their life with us? Okay, here's the word, faithful. Yeah, definitely. Faithful. You know, that's what the Lord's going to say to them. Well done, my good and faithful servants. They have been faithful. Uh, I would say every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday. And not only for themselves, but to serve. Always available to serve. And, and you know what? Never saying, hey, put me up there. I'm the leader. Let me bring the message. Let me lead. No, just faithful. 
Faithful, faithful. And when we're faithful, the Lord makes a way. The Lord promotes. The Lord honors. Yeah. And this couple right here, I've been in ministry for 30 years. Yeah. There's not a lot of couples like them. Yeah. Yeah. Faithful in their giving. Faithful in their finances. Faithful in their support of the kingdom. Faithful of this ministry. Poured into some of your all's lives. Faithful in ministry. Faithful, faithful, faithful. God honors your faithfulness. Yes. He really, really does. Yes. Babe, is there anything you want to share? I think you really summed it up. I'm, I'm so glad that we were able to say goodbye over these last weeks because it's taken that. Um, yeah. But we know that the Lord is all over, all over your, your decision. Continue to bring fruit where you all go. Um, and we've been privileged to work alongside with you. And I know it's not the end. I know that we're going to continue to, Amen. we're going to continue with our relationship. Amen. Yeah. And they're moving to another four square church in Maine. They've already found it. They have a working relationship, at least a relationship with a pastor. And they're going to go up there and they're going to continue ministry over there. Um, so we're sending them off. And one of the things we do just as a sign of agreement, we just extend our right hand towards them. If you would do that. And I'll say a prayer over them. Father, we just love you and we honor you. Thank you, God. Oh, we're so grateful that you loaned David and Catherine to yes, us over these years. Jesus. We're so thankful you, for Lord. the calling and the gifting and the anointing that you've placed in their lives, Lord yes, God. God. We're so grateful for the faithfulness that they've shown to you over the years on this campus, this campus that's been set apart for the kingdom of God yes. and for the, the spreading of the gospel and for loving this community. Lord, it's hard in our hearts to see them go, but we know that it's part of your plan. So we come together in agreement with them and we bless them. Yes, God. We declare your grace over them. Yes, we God. release them in your favor and in your provision and in your guidance. Father, we thank you for giving them wisdom and direction and supernatural favor and finding their home and getting established yes. in their new place. Lord, we thank you for cultivating uh, relationship with their family as they settle in, Lord. And I thank you, God, that they're going to be faithful and they're going to be a light. And they're going to be a witness in the new church that they're going to partner in. Lord, I thank you that their best days yes. are still ahead of them. Yes, God. We love you and we love them and we release them with your blessing and with your grace. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.